I got to interview the general partner of Vibranium VC, Zamir. Whether you've heard of him or not, your respect is. He's built 42 accelerator programs and 1,500 companies went through them. So I asked him, what's the number one correlator to success that you look for in an early stage company? Founders motivation, because when you start a business, you will hit a lot of walls. Most of the startup products are not what they were in the beginning when the idea was created. So they were pivoting, pivoting, everything changes. But one constant is the moving, the motivation that keeps this whole thing going and if the founder loses the motivation it's gonna fail one of the simplest ways they look for that is by looking at your cap table in the early stage so as much as it's exciting to get into that next accelerator that next program be careful over the rest of the time Zamir talks about customer discovery as well as the $5 game. He shares if he only had $5, how he would allocate that to four different areas when analyzing a founding team. So if you're looking for an investment, this is going to help you a lot to know where to prioritize. And of course, how this is the Top VC Podcast, and I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, based in San Francisco. I'm on a mission to help founders oversubscribe their next round by learning from top VCs and entrepreneurs. If you only had $5, how would you allocate those $5 to these four categories? And basically the first one for anyone who's listening is worked at an industry leader. Basically like you've worked at the best company in the world around that topic that you're building your company on, or you've had two startups, both of them had failed, but so you don't have the success, but you have a lot of experience. You've had a hundred uh, customer discovery interviews, you've talked to a lot of people in your current uh, segment, or you've had known milestone completion. This is like, you've watched them work. So you, they reached out to you six months ago and like they've been sending those monthly updates and you've been watching them complete milestones. How'd you do it? So of course, you know, when it comes to early stage investment, we believe the team, you know, is, is the core, right? We want to make sure. So I would allocate $1 to uh, work at industry leader or, you know, similar, uh, let's say like a vertical expertise. So we understand that. Uh, whatever they're tackling as a team or the, the founding team, they, they know the subject matter really well and they're experts in that. I would allocate another dollar to uh, two times failed founder because uh, I think running a business is, is a unique skill set. And even if you failed in the past, uh, all the mistakes that you've done, uh, they will help you building a new company better, uh, avoiding all those pitfalls. I would put $2 for 100 discovery interviews because I believe that you know, customer development and knowing your client, knowing the problem really deeply inside is the core for success because uh, there might be many uh, cool, interesting ideas that we come up with every day, but if the market will not respond, <laughs> you know, will not purchase that with their dollars, it's worthless, right? And the final uh, one is, of course, you know, $1 to the milestones because, um, you know, talking is or having ideas and having great PowerPoint uh, and presentation skill is 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 good but we want to see that you know the product is being built that uh, the sales process is being built that uh, the team is actually getting things done rather than just going around and, and pitching all the great competitions and accelerators so uh, that's would be that would be my allocation for the five bucks I have this is so good. So the 100 customer discovery interviews that you double tapped on some of the contrary points that I've heard on that is that VCs tend to be skeptical with that because founder can say I've talked to a bunch of customers but how, what, what would you want to know about those customer discovery interviews so uh, I'm a different type of a VC because before having my venture fund I used to build accelerators so uh, we've built 42 accelerators in the past uh, we had over 1500 companies go through those and these are all types of programs starting with your classical accelerator with just entrepreneurs 
all the way to like uh, corporate programs where we would find technologies to implement inside of large companies. So I have hands-on experience with a, a lot of startups where we use these methodologies and uh, trust me, it saves a lot of time and some of the ideas that, or some of the MVPs that they would come in with into our programs, they would fail fast, which is okay as well. And we would say, guys, you know, you don't need to waste any more time on this. It's not going to work. We, you know, you've talked to customers, there's no feedback. Nobody cares about this product or this idea. And hence, you know, on the other side, uh, some of the good and cool products, they received a lot of positive feedback. So when it comes to what exactly I want to know, first of all, I want to know that this is a big enough problem that uh, um, exists and there's no good solution out there. The second uh, thing I want to know that the current solution the startup is building is 10 times better than anything else existing out there. So it will improve something 10x, not just a little bit, not just 5%, but 10x. Uh, that's the second thing. The third thing uh, is um, if there are any barriers uh, to penetrate this market, or there's a red ocean, too much competition, too many big players. You know, it's going to be very tough for a small startup with no resources to kind of get out there and everybody's already playing that game. So I, I would say those few things, um, uh, that would be good enough uh, to start with. But usually uh, when it comes to these interviews, we say, okay, these should be like one hour interviews, you know, 30, 40 maybe 50 questions, like going really deep, asking five times why, you know, getting to the core of the problem, to the emotion that customer has, why they consider this to be a big problem and willing to pay uh, to solve that problem. That is really cool. And I don't know if you have any resources on that, but I as a founder did a bunch of these as well. So um, if so, we can include them in the uh, show notes, if not, no worries. But 30 to 50 questions, that is super deep. I think that one of the biggest challenges I had as a founder doing these customer discovery calls was like getting a false positive because people want to make you feel good. They don't want to be the one to say what you're working on is not worth it. When it comes to customer development methodology, you don't sell them nothing. You don't even talk about your product you try to uh, find out what their core problem is in the area where your product is going to be working on in the future. You don't even say anything about what you're building, whatever the interface will be, et cetera, what the features will be or anything. You talk only about the problem, about their life, about their feelings, emotions, what they're struggling with, et cetera. So yes, uh, of course, if you're telling them, hey, I'm a startup, I'm building this, what do you think? Of course, people will try to be nice to you. But you, you don't bring this up at all, maybe in the end of the interview. You know, but before that, you got to ask him the right questions. And the second important thing, these should be people that you don't know. Because if, if there are people you know, if they're like your friends, your, your buddies, your, your, your teammates, whatever, uh, they will give you answers that might not be completely honest because sometimes the truth might be harsh. So you want to make sure these are people that referred somebody else referred you to, but you don't know them personally. And try to try to go like in different demographics, different age groups, because a lot of times startups are uh, wrong about who their core audience is. So they think it's like, okay, my core audience is young, young families with two children living in suburbs, et cetera. So they have an idea, but eventually, be, you know, it, it ends up somebody else to have this pain bigger and being the low hanging fruit. Uh, where you would go first, you know, kind of your beachhead approach, you know, to that customer segment. So try different customer segments too to understand whether you are right or wrong about your hypotheses, who your customer is. Mm, so good. If you had to pick one 
factor that correlates highest to a successful investment, what would that be? Founders motivation is the largest success factor that I believe exists in, in, in a startup. Because when you start a business, when you start a company, you will hit a lot of uh, walls and uh, you know difficulties. Uh, you will pivot. Uh, most of the startup products are not what they were in the beginning when the idea was created. So they were pivoting, pivoting, doing something else, you know, going after different clients, building, rebuilding the product. So everything changes. But one constant is the moving, the motivation that keeps this whole thing going. And if the founder loses the motivation, if they have no more passion about what they're doing, it's going to fail. If they still have the passion, if they still have the motivation to move forward, they will find resources, they will find energy, they will motivate their teammates, uh, you know, they will rebuild it, repackage it and take it out to the market again. So I think, uh, and that's the reason why we always uh, tend to look at, you know, the cap tables, at the equities that the founders still have at different stages, because the larger the equity they have, the bigger their motivation to drive this company to, you know, big success. Um, so I would say one single factor is founder's motivation to keep moving. That's so good. What, is there any like examples of what those motives could be? Uh, obviously like financial incentive is, is an implication, but I'm curious, like besides that. Financial incentive, I wouldn't say it's number one or even number two. Typically uh, it's the passion towards the, the problem and the solution. First of all, uh, a lot of founders have that problem themselves or their close ones have that problem. So they decide to start fighting that or start uh, creating a solution for that. Second, they fall in love with their product and they understand that this creates a lot of value for thousands or maybe millions of people. So that keeps them going saying, hey, I am doing something much bigger than I am. This company will will exist even when I don't exist. You know, the, the things that I'm doing are changing the world around me. So uh, and then money comes later. You know, it, if money was the only motivation, then, you know, you go work for a corporate job and you, you're much better off without all these risks and, you know, working 80 hour weeks for five years. Right. So, uh, yeah, I would say that those are the few factors that that drive the motivation. Um, personal attachment. That's why I always ask about the personal story. I'm like, why did you start this startup? Why did you start this company? What happened? And they start telling me the story, you know, of how they encountered this problem, what happened to someone when they know, et cetera. And then like, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. So you have a personal attachment to the situation. It's not like you saw a hype and you're like, oh, 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 you know, NFTs, this is the thing. Let me go there. Let me try to do something there. Oh, AI. Now that's the thing. Let me go there. So it has to be some kind of a, a relation to the problem and then the, to the solution. Mm, that is gold. I, I hope that everyone listening to this really hears that motivation piece because it will run out. If it's money, if it's something fake, you're going to run out after a couple yeah. of years. You're not going to have the momentum. That's amazing. The The next is just tell us about Vibranium in terms of what stage you invest and what kind of companies you look for. Well, Vibranium is a seed stage venture fund. We are located in, in Bay Area in Menlo Park. Uh, we like B2B SaaS startups. Um, the reason why we like these startups is we understand that market pretty well. We've done a lot of work previously with B2B SaaS companies, helping them, you know, go into these large enterprises, uh, running pilots, uh, implementing their technology. So we have a lot of experience in that. Uh, that's why we chose uh, this vertical. Uh, we invest uh, typically on seed stage up to $500,000, depending on the allocation, depending on um, the round size. 
Uh, and we uh, tend to follow on our best um, portfolio companies uh, during Series A with up to $1.5 million. We invest in U.S. companies and U.S. companies only. Uh, it's, it's okay to be an international founder, to have traction elsewhere, but we want that company to be a U.S. entity uh, to have the IP rights here. Uh, so that's what um, you know. I can tell you about uh, the focus of investment. Very cool. Is, are there some sectors within B2B that you're most excited about? I mean, you can say the generic AI answer, but just the more specific, the better. Yeah, sure. We have uh, identified four verticals that, um, that we like. Uh, one of them is productivity software. So anything that helps business to be more productive uh, to, to save time or anything else, any other resources. Uh, the second vertical is financial services, any, any fintech in, in B2B SaaS. Uh, third one is sales and marketing. So we really like applications that uh, support, you know, the growth of the business and uh, customer, um, um, you know, acquisition, retention, uh, communications, and all of that stuff. And the fourth one would be media and information services. So anything that uh, creates content and works with uh, media and, uh, you know, different types of content like video, text, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, your gener generative AI falls also in, into that category. So those are the four things that we focus on. Of course, we would look at other things as well, but we try to, whenever we do uh, you know, scouting, you know, whenever we look for startups ourselves, these are the things that we look for. Very interesting. How did you get to these? What was like, maybe you could share like what percentage of it was based on research and like these are the things that are growing or what percentage was just like experience of the team? Uh, I would say both. Uh, we we cross-matched the two. So first of all, we did we did analyze the, um, you know, over 5,000 deals uh, in, 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 in the sector and uh, saw which ones, which startups in which fields have a bigger chance of raising the next round. Okay, so that was one of the things that we looked at. Uh, and of course, going all the way to exit, right? Who has the larger potential of exit, which which uh, companies do? So and, uh, we looked at a lot of data, you know, Pitchbook, you know, CB Insights, and uh, Crunchbase, all of them. Uh, after that, we looked at the experience that we had, you know, the programs that we ran before in accelerators, personal experiences, running businesses, I'm a serial entrepreneur, other enterprises and companies we work with closely, what kind of businesses uh, they ran. Uh, and we have identified these four things that we know as well. And we cross-matched uh, you know, the uh, most successful startups raising and what we know as a team and said, okay, these four verticals look like uh, you know, they match. So we will go forward for, you know, for these and then we'll see. But uh, let me tell you, this is also a flexible thing. Like this is a flexible manner. We decided to to look for maybe a year on the pipeline because it's not only what you like, it's also what you have access to as a fund, right? Where you find these deals? Are we in the right location for these kind of deals, for these kind of companies? Should we look elsewhere? I mean, of course, we search globally, right? But uh, physically, we are in, in, in the Bay Area. So all the events, all the networking we go to are here. Uh, so we decided that, okay, we do this for a year and, you know, for uh, when we talk about these four verticals and we analyze again, we see whether we've, you know, we hit the targets or not. So we always cross-check ourselves. Mm, that, this is really interesting. Well, could you tell me on a kind of shifting notes here, could you tell me a low moment that you've had, that you had as a founder or even as a VC 
uh, just to really connect with a lot of people out there who it, it's a challenging time in the macro environment, uh, depending on what you're working on. So any, any unique story you have there? Would be Probably helpful. the hardest thing that can happen to a founder is a, is a conflict amongst the founders. Uh, so there was one of the companies uh, that we had where we had four co-founders uh, and then there was some you know, geopolitical stuff happening where the two co-founders basically said we cannot you know stay in this country anymore we have to leave uh they left the company and uh, for about six months me and the other co second co-founder right who remained in the company we could not renegotiate uh with the main investor we had a, a main investor it was a very tough negotiation because investor was upset that the two co-founders left right he was uh he was very uh you know uh, negative about uh, he he didn't believe that the company will survive so he didn't want to continue etc and we had a, a long term relationship with you know uh, uh, different uh, stages of funding right so we were like okay listen we're gonna take this company forward you gotta believe in us you know you gotta continue the funding you gotta continue the support and eventually we did uh, but that was probably a pretty tough six months of being in a hanging position not not in, I mean we had to keep paying the, the salaries to the team, you know, running the, the company, but we had no idea whether it's going to survive and, and receive another round mm -hmm. of funding uh, from the investor within the six months. But eventually everything worked out and we renegotiated, but I think that was the, the tough one. Mm, I cannot imagine the heartache that you had at times, like sleepless yeah. nights. Well, it was a point uh, where I was thinking about selling my car uh, because we had to, we, we needed like, I don't know, Twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars for something, you know, really now today, uh, and I was like, man, you know, we we need the money now. Maybe I should just go, you know, sell the car quickly and get the money. But eventually, we got a uh, um, a friend, a, a, you know, a friend just came in and um, gave us the money for for a couple of months. So wow. that was that. Yeah. That's dedication. That was many years ago, but yeah, that's something that you got to go through. I mean, as a founder. Uh, sometimes you risk you risk a lot you risk everything uh, there were times i didn't pay salary to myself and i mm -hmm. you know i was paying it to employees because you know we want to make sure that they are protected as 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 your team right they uh you know they're dependent on you as as a founder i mean you you take the risk as as an owner of the business and that's your risk uh you have to make sure your team is safe and even if uh and one of the companies that we had uh previously you know wasn't COVID really hit the company uh, mm. heavily. So we had to let go of some people, but we made sure we got them jobs in other companies. Mm. So me and my co-founder, we spent a lot of time uh, talking to the community, to the network, making sure you know we place everybody in another mm. company before we stopped paying them. And we actually extended the pay even two months beyond the uh, end date of, of their employment with us just to give them a little bumper zone, you know, to, to make sure that uh, they're okay and nobody's mm. going to struggle. So yeah, things like that, you got to do as a founder, you know, it's, it's important. That is super selfless. And I hope that all the founders are taking note of that because that, that it just says a lot and how much more would, would someone want to work with you in the future, no matter what you're working Thank on. You. So Zamir, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. What's the best way to reach out to you? I, although I'm sure you get a lot of outreach, but just if I had a shot, would it be Twitter or LinkedIn? LinkedIn, LinkedIn is the best. Yeah. Oh. I read Boom. messages, I reply to everyone. That's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We'll end it right there. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Top VC Podcast. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell. This is way more than just a podcast. It's a community, and I'm personally on a mission to help founders in whatever way I possibly can. So send me an email, adamfodonnell at gmail.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Boom.